Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on this episode of Nine to Thrive HR. My name is Jenna Filipkowski, and I'm the head of research here at HCI. I'm joined here today by Florence Chan, Senior Manager of Strategic Programs at Community Business. Welcome, Florence. Hi. Hello, everyone. So diversity and inclusion is a focal area for HCI in 2017, and we're launching a new conference and producing Talent Pulse research on this topic. So Florence, can you share more with our listeners about your company, Community Business, and its diversity and inclusion initiatives and research? Yes, certainly. So thank you, Jenna, and thank you for having me on here. Uh, Community Business is a leading not-for-profit organization and we advance responsible and inclusive business practices in Asia. So one of the key focuses of our work is tackling inequality in the workplace. And um, I'd like to say that we are proud to have established a reputation as a thought leader on diversity and inclusion in Asia. And this is supported by our published body of local research. I think in examining DNI from an Asian perspective, community business looks at all the aspects. So we look at gender to culture, generations, disability, LGBT and religion, uh, and we focus on our five key markets, which are China, Hong Kong, India, Japan, and Singapore. One of the main activities uh, we do is bring companies together to learn and share best practice. Uh, We feel this is really important, having a strong network to help each other and work together in progressing DNI. Um, Actually, we call this our Diversity and Inclusion in Asia Network, and it's more popularly referred to as Diane. Diane is now now nearly 10 years old, and we are the only Asia DNI network doing what we do. So over the years, it has become the leading network for companies and professionals committed to DNI in the Asia region. And it's one of the things that we're most proud of, actually, at Community Business. Looking at um, a couple of other current initiatives that we have, currently I'm working on our annual Women on Boards Hong Kong report, 2017. So this one, we've been tracking the representation of women on boards in Hong Kong uh, since 2009. So we're going into our eighth year, and uh, we are the leading authority on women on boards Um, I'd like to say in Asia, uh, we do this as a way to shine light on the important issue. Um, We've helped to spread a lot of awareness in the region, and um, we would like to drive positive change in really getting more women uh, in senior leadership and visibly on boards in Hong Kong. So another thing that we're doing is we're conducting the second iteration of our Hong Kong LGBT plus inclusion index. So the inclusion index is the first of its kind in Asia, and um, it provides companies with a credible and robust tool to assess, progress, and promote their efforts towards LGBT plus inclusion. Um, We have a rigorous assessment process, and we'll be announcing the top 10 performing companies at our gala dinner, which we hold um, each year on Idaho Day, which is the 17th of May. We found that this index has become a real game changer, and we've noticed that it's really driven some positive change, not just in Hong Kong, but also in the region. And um, we feel that this is a really good way for a call to action and uh, to create a sense of competition between companies uh, here in Hong Kong uh, and also in the region. So 
So we're quite proud of what we're doing in terms of our LGBT plus campaign. Um, these are just some of the couple of examples that we have. Um, and uh, it shows how we're trying to raise awareness in key issues in diversity inclusion to drive change. And uh, I'd like to think that's at the heart of our work. That's fantastic, Florence. It sounds like you guys are very busy and doing great work. Oh, uh, we try. We try. We are a humble uh, not-for-profit. We're a registered charity in Hong Kong. So most people uh, don't realize that because um, when you look at our website, look at our research, uh, we look like a, a, a quite a well-known international large organization. Yeah. <laughs> but um, we do our best. <laughs> this April, you are a presenter at our Inclusive Diversity Conference in San Francisco, and your presentation is entitled Examining DNI from an Asian Perspective. Can you tell me a little bit about the DNI approach used in most organizations in Asia? And what are some common DNI diversity and inclusion programs in Asia? Yeah, so, I mean, looking at that question, we draw on our research and from the experiences shared in our um, Diane network, which, which I just mentioned. And um, I think diversity inclusion as a business concept is still relatively new in Asia. I mean, we've been doing this for over 10 years, but the pickup by the local business sector here is still slow. I mean, it's gradual, but it's still very slow. Um, when it comes to DNI, the terminology is not always that well understood. I think concepts do not always resonate easily into local language. That's something to think about. And I think even more so when it comes to local cultural context as well. Um, for instance, promoting diversity is all about celebrating difference in individuality. Uh, for example, listening to you and I, it's uh, pretty obvious we speak English but with different accents and probably coming from different and possibly quite diverse backgrounds. Um, the listeners, I would hope, would think this is pretty cool that we're doing this kind of podcast with you in the U.S. and me in Hong Kong late night doing this right now. Um, but in Asian culture, um, a kind of homogeneity and similarity is often more favored um, for everyone to be the same, similar. Uh, it's really an idea that it benefits with an easier understanding and having a sense of harmony. Uh, so that's something that's a, a bit of a challenge here in Asia. Um, I think one of the things is exploring the different nuances when we're looking at uh, cultural differences uh, in applying DNI here in Asia. So uh, I would like to just do a little plug and say, you know, I think reading our research, we recommend um, examining DNI from an Asian perspective. It's one of our one of our pieces of research, uh, and uh, listeners feel free to to um, contact me or Jenna to get a copy of that. Um, another thing is, I think there is a lot of education work that needs to be done here in Asia particularly for those that continue to dismiss DNI as a Western concept. That's often quite common here. Uh, they think that this is something Western, it's not relevant to Asia, and in turn they think it's irrelevant. But actually when you're talking about uh, disability, when you're talking about women, gender, LGBT, uh, you know, multi-generational working, uh, it's only when you really try and explain these things to these more local companies do they start realizing, oh, okay, then this is actually something we should be doing 
uh, within our companies and to our employees. Uh, another thing is I, I think it's important um, to show and establish a strong business case uh, and key drivers from a local perspective, um, which will help uh, further the DNI uh, programs uh, and strategies here in Asia. Um, I was born in the UK, but I was raised in both Hong Kong and the UK. And seeing the cultural differences, having worked in, in, in both places, it's been a real eye-opener for me. Uh, and for me, it was one of the main reasons why I went into DNI after having a career as a lawyer. It's really important to to get the message across here in Asia and make sure um, that when you are thinking of launching a, a DNI program strategy, maybe some ERG groups here over here in Asia, that you really need to localize them, make them more culturally in tune with the relevant market here. Because even within Asia, um, each different country has its own very, very different ways of thinking uh, and um, languages and, and, and many different kinds of nuances. So with that in mind, uh, I would recommend another piece of research that we have, which is building the business case for DNI Stories in Asia. Uh, and this really covers um, from several companies' perspectives on how they tackle this challenge and the things that they do. So uh, looking at how companies can apply DNI programs and strategies into Asia, community business, we, we target multinational um, companies mostly that have operations in Asia. Working with these companies, um, we generally recognize that um, these companies already know that there is a strong link between DNI and their business. So what we tend to do is, is look at how we can help them realize their market ambitions in the Asia region and look at implementing these DNI uh, strategies that are possibly from uh, global headquarters overseas and, and how to drive it into Asia through innovation, be more creative, uh, and looking at ways they can attract, retain, develop top talent and really be, uh, you know, an employer of choice in Asia. So that's one of the things that we really think is important in working with a company and, and getting that message across. Um, another thing is typically with companies that want to have this global DNI strategy rolled out into the local different markets in Asia, um, we think that it's important to engage with the local stakeholders. So one of the things that we, we try to do is we try to make sure these companies are engaging with their local offices and, and speaking with those uh, the, the, the staff there, um, getting uh, important feedback on what um, certain programs and ideas they have already in place and how it might need to be applied differently in, in the relevant local office. Uh, and these kind of suggestions and feedback is really important in, in driving a successful program or strategy into Asia because you, you don't want to just do a blanket apply all because you know that's not going to work. Um, when it comes to something like increasing the representation of women, uh, particularly in the senior levels, this is a, a common priority we see. Um, Whilst there are many common themes, it's important to recognize the needs and challenges faced 
um, by the many different kinds of women in Asia. In Japan, it's much more different than it would be in China, as it is in Singapore. Uh, and these all, these kind of things are really important to think about um, in terms of the enabling environments that they would need, uh, the what kind of benefits are realistic, um, as well as are they even applicable. I think these are really important factors to consider when you're looking at applying something like increasing uh, women in your workforce in Asia. And then obviously I think talking about culture is really critical in Asia. Um, the discussion I think is quite different when you're talking about race in US or Europe, uh, but it's equally complex here in Asia. Uh, looking at the different cultures. I mean, if you look at, for example, China, we have 30-plus ethnic minorities, and people don't really realize that. When you're looking at, for example, um, Singapore, there are four nationally recognized languages, and looking at what that means uh, it is really quite complex. And if you're thinking of setting up an office in Singapore or uh, rolling out you know, a DNI policy in Singapore, it, it's something that you really need to think about. Uh, these are really important factors. Uh, so with that in mind, I think we would advise that it's important to look at cross-cultural competency. Uh, this is one of the things that we, we drill into our, our members to say that it's important for this to have really robust training tools in place to empower managers to think in a both a global and local context, uh, and also how to break that bamboo ceiling and build local talent into leadership, because there needs to be a pipeline. It can't just be bringing in um, foreign talent um, temporarily and not upskilling the local population. So these are things that are important to think about. And also another thing I think is, it is creating a culture of inclusion. Uh, this is increasingly something that we see um, more thought about in addition to the diversity piece, because obviously they, the two of the concepts go, go together by and by. Uh, and companies in Asia are really starting to think about this and investing in a lot more um, in terms of training, uh, exploring unconscious bias, um, how to build inclusive management. Uh, and um, these are things that Asia are beginning to really look about and, and make some change. Uh, so it is fairly positive, and, uh, and it's a great time to be in DNI here in Asia. Um, I've been working with a number of companies doing some great things, and, and I, I really hope good things will happen in the, in the near future. Thanks, Florence. And thanks so much for sharing what the current climate is like there in Asian countries and um, what kind of diversity and inclusion programs and efforts are going in these organizations. Florence, for my last question, can you tell me a little bit about the future trends in diversity and inclusion that you see and we should be aware of? I think that um, there's, there's a real trend towards greater corporate governance and transparency. Uh, this is something that's quite positive for Asia. Uh, and we're seeing this uh, coming up uh, across our, our, our key markets. We're going to see a greater interest in and focus on data and reporting. Um, I think companies in Asia are not doing this very proactively at the moment. We see quite a lot of struggle in, in demonstrating the impact 
of their DNI initiatives. So I think the trend will be moving towards making use of data, uh, doing uh, uh, reviews, uh, having a clearer idea of sustainability uh, of their DNI programs, uh, and really work towards having this opportunity to tell their story and differentiate their brand in, in the marketplace and set them apart. I think with leading companies in Asia, um, they're, be they're beginning to talk about the importance of intersectionality. I think this is really important. So intersectionality of diversity and, and, and taking that one-dimensional view, whether it's gender, culture, sexual orientation, etc. Um, this is important, but, you know, it's, it's not enough. We all have multiple identities that shape who we are, how we experience the world, uh, including in the workplace, where in Asia most people spend most of their time. And I think we need to find a way to work across diversity dimensions so that we can avoid labeling or overlooking the needs of individuals. And, again, this, this really highlights the importance of developing inclusive leadership skills. I think that's going to be important in the coming years for Asia. Another thing is I, I think in Asia there is an opportunity to focus on, on more than one market opportunity. So by better understanding the needs of a diverse customer base, companies are able to design better products and tap into new markets. I think an example I can think of is, um, is Lush. Um, which is actually uh, from the UK. They promote themselves as a natural, organic cosmetics and beauty care company. Uh, and when they have come into Asia, they have aligned clear DNI campaigns um, for each market um, after doing research analysis on, on what would be the most acceptable and well received. So, for example, you know, when it comes to Singapore, uh, LGBT is still something that isn't that widely talked about and isn't that accepted for foreign companies to, to dabble in. And so Lush, you know, they don't have uh, – they have instead a campaign about animals, I think. It's something to do like Save the Dolphins or something. But in Hong Kong, I just recorded a video message for them where they're, they're running a campaign on marriage equality, and they're actually starting this petition that will start on the, uh, I think it's on the, the, the 1st or 2nd of February, where it'll be an online petition um, to try and get the government to, to, to think about having marriage equality, uh, changing the marriage ordinance so that in Hong Kong, same-sex partners can finally get married which I see as a, you know, a much-needed change. I think this is, this is something that's really important is in trends, is how to look at um, the diverse customer base in this regard. And when you're looking at that, it's good to tie it in with the business case, with driving you know, money-making and so forth, and I think that's really important. The other thing uh, is, that's really important is looking at generational shifts. Um, this is going to create new opportunities for DNI work. So, I mean, young people growing up in China and in India, for example, they have very, very different experiences from their parents. Um, this is something definitely to tap into and to think about. 
Um, so these, this younger generation coming up, you know, they're exposed to global influences in ways that are challenging traditional views. And these kind of different perspectives and expectations, you know, it can cause possible clashes within working styles and working relationships with the older generations here in Asia. So that's something uh, that, that will become more and more um, of a topic uh, in the coming years. That's very interesting. Um, and thank you so much, Florence, for recording this podcast. I learned a lot from you, and I appreciate you staying up very late on your time to record this with us and sharing your, your important research. So thank you again. I look forward to uh, seeing everyone on, on uh, the 3rd the and the 4th of April at your Inclusive Diversity Conference. I really look forward to it. It'll be the first time I'm coming to San Francisco. Oh, great, great. And you'll love it. And this is our first time we're doing this conference, and we have a lot, we're a lot of excitement around it. So we're looking forward to your presentation of all the other presentations during the two-day event. So thank you, Florence. I also like to thank all our listeners for tuning in, and we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed what you heard. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Smart Radio, and on the YouTube channel, HCI Talent. Thank you again, Florence, for enlightening our listeners. For 9 to Thrive HR and all of HCI, thank you for listening.